Hey folks, this is Andy Sitto, and you're listening to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. My guest this week is pop, gospel, and blues singer and Denver music mainstay, Hazel Miller. Hey, welcome back. Good to cyber see you again. Welcome to another episode. I already said that, but I'm saying it again. Welcome to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. Um, a really, really special guest this week. I have Hazel Miller on. And um, she's been, if you're not a Colorado person listening to this, she's been a staple in the scene yeah, here in Denver and in Colorado since the mid-1980s. And is somebody that that truly everybody knows in the scene. Um Hazel Miller is absolutely a household name for us uh, here in Colorado, and she actually came up in Kentucky. She was saying Louisville. I've always said Louisville, but she would know better than me. But I grew up in Louisville, same spelling, Colorado. So I'm not. I'm not even going to say the name. The name of the city, but the, you know, that big city in Kentucky. Um, she grew up and started performing there, and then once she outgrew that. She had plans to go to Los Angeles, and on the way to Los Angeles, her U-Haul broke down in Denver, and uh, she decided to stay. Her and her two kids, three kids, um, decided to stay, and she's been in Denver ever since, but has done all kinds of awesome things throughout her career. She sang with everybody. You'll hear in the interview um, the the names are—I mean, you can't even start listing off the names of the people— um, that she's played with, but she's a frequent collabor- collaborator with Big Head Todd and the Monsters. She sang for four sitting presidents um, and, and has, has toured all over the world. She's been on uh, volumes of the KBCO Studio C CD. Uh, in 2008, she was recognized as one of 150 people who make Denver a better place to live. She's won lots of awards. And uh, it was it was a great conversation. And one thing she said, I don't remember if it was at the end of the of the interview or right after um, the interview ended, and we chatted for a few more minutes. Is she said, "Oh, you know, it was really cool that you, that you brought me on the podcast." And I think of podcasts as like this young, hip entrepreneurial thing, entrepreneurial entrepreneur. I'm going to get crap for mispronouncing that, but you know what I mean. Um. You know, and 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 to have me on is really cool. And I thought, well, gosh, yeah, of course, of course, I'd have you on. And thinking more about it now, interviewing these people, chatting with these people that have been doing it for decades is really important. It's important to document. Um, and people like Hazel Miller and Chris Daniels, who was on um, a few weeks ago, and Mickey Raphael, who was on last week. Um, it's important to document their stories. I mean, for a multitude of reasons, and it's. It's fascinating to me um, to hear to hear stories, hear about what my hometown was like uh, before I was in the music scene, to hear what touring was like 20, 30 years ago, whatever. And just to hear these stories, um, you know, it's how they get passed down. Um, so it was such an honor to, to have Hazel on. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to mention briefly. I guess I'll just get right into the stuff I say every time. I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get exclusive content from this podcast as well as um, I put out a lot of stuff for my solo music career too. I release exclusive tracks on Patreon, um, you know, do some live streams, and I do production breakdowns of how I produce some of my songs or how I write horn lines, whatever. You can find that stuff um, on my Patreon page. This episode, well, lots of these episodes can also be found on Chris K's Colorado playlist. He's been airing an eight-minute segment of this show whenever a Colorado artist is featured, um, and that gets broadcast on 26 FM stations across Colorado. So this episode uh, you'll be able to find on the FM airwaves as well. Okay, I'm done talking. Let's jump into the show, my conversation with Hazel Miller. Quick thanks to our sponsors, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to pqmastering.com. 
Also, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratorrf.com. For sponsorship inquiries, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Actually, <laughs> actually clap. I'm not pressing a button anymore. I'm clapping for synchronicity, if that's a, that's a word, right? That's a word. Yeah, okay. That's a word. Well, <laughs> a good you know, word, by the way. It's a good word. It's a good word, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, you know, I try not to do too much research on people more than what I already know because I don't want to ask the same questions that you've already answered 50 million times. But I do do a little recon, and when I Googled your name, <laughs> I... I noticed you have a Wikipedia page and there's, I'm yeah, not exactly. My granddaughter told me last year, I didn't even know what Wikipedia was. It's it, to me, it's a rite of passage. I, I don't know what the threshold is to have a Wikipedia really? page, but I think you've made it. You've got a Wikipedia. Uh, I don't know who put it up. Um, I have, there are five Facebook pages out there with my name, my picture and People send in messages, and I only I only started two. I don't know who the other three were started by. Uh, so there's, see so you if you want to contact Hazel, you got to make sure you contact the right Hazel. <laughs> Oddly enough, they all talk to each other because once you put in my name, they all come up, so the information goes there. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say, what do you think the three imposters are are doing with your account? Well, one, I think they've forgotten about it because it hasn't had a, a live post for six years. But yeah. I can't take it down because I didn't start it. Yeah. The downside of social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, but does that, is, is there any flattery there at all? Like, oh my gosh, you started a page for me or is it just... Well, I, I was thinking that's amazing. Someone thought I needed one. And started it long before I started mine. And I thought, okay, it's time to do it. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And when, how long have you been on for, on social media? Uh, this is 21. I've probably been, uh, probably been online probably five years, maybe. Okay. Not very long. Because I didn't know what to do. But thank God for uh, grandchildren. They know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I was going to ask, I mean, you've been, you've been doing this thing for a long time and Mm -hmm. you've, and you've seen a lot of advancement in technology and the way we do things. Um, I mean, is it tough to keep up with, with trends? No, I have, um, I have one, two, three, four, five guys in the band and they all are very tech savvy. Yeah. So I don't have to do anything but help them carry it in, help them set it up, and they do it the rest of the way. <laughs> they tell me what to buy, I go get it. Yeah. They, they figure out how to run it, I smile. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, and there's no, you don't feel any amount of, of frustration of, oh, we're all on, you know, everybody's on Instagram now and I've got to move over there. You, you just kind of go with it. Nope, because um, if something new comes up, my granddaughter will tell me, (laughs) God bless her little heart, and she'll come over one Sunday and put it all on my laptop and show me how to get in, and she'll pick something easy that I can control. (laughs) Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. And your granddaughter, I think you just posted up something about her. Did she just, she She graduated high school? She just graduated two weeks today. She graduated from CSU. Oh, college. Wow. Well, congrats. She's grandchild, and I'm telling you, she's setting, she's setting the bar very high. Oh, I love that. Well, congrats to her. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't get to graduate. And, yeah. But I'm so proud of her. She's such an amazing young woman. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So to jump back into, into your history a little bit, when did you first start getting into music? Where did you come up? Oh, I was uh, raised in the <laughs> in the housing projects in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, let's see, back in the late 60s, um, 
every neighborhood had a band, but I didn't really know about these guys. I started singing with them when I was uh, a junior in high school. Yeah. And um, I just, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I, I'd been singing all my life. Um, I went to Catholic school. So high mass was, yeah. yeah. And we're singing in Latin. It was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And um, it, it, it just picked up steam. It just, it became my life. I'm, I'm, I rolled from the neighborhood band. I went and auditioned for the biggest band in the city and I got it. Wow. I got it. They were the biggest jazz band in the city. And I went in and auditioned and uh, before I got to my, my car, they were calling me back. So, wow. and I've been rolling ever since. What was the band and how old were you? Oh man, uh, the band was called Crisis mm -hmm. and I was 22 maybe. Okay. So you'd maybe. just been out singing for seven years with, with bands and stuff before then. Oh, just, yeah, just um, had a little neighborhood band called the Soulful Aces. Don't you dare laugh. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I knew them all. They all lived in my neighborhood. Um, and uh, we would play uh, high school mixers. We would uh, play for free at uh, different Battle of the Bands. Um, I, think, I think I started playing in clubs, little bitty clubs. Um, I think they, uh, I think you call them a hole in the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting there one night and this gentleman was playing and the, the audience was so quiet. You could drop a pin. He was playing real Delta blues. It was John Lee Hooker. And wow. I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was. He had to be in his I don't know, late 30s, 40. He was, it was just three of them. It was just guitar, bass, and drums. And he, wow, just, it was an epiphany. I went and bought everything I could find. <laughs> um, wow. Just sitting on the floor. There were no more chairs left, so we sat on the floor. Yeah. And, and did you ever get to see him again or interact with him after that? Saw him again in Boulder, uh, I want to say 89, 90. Yeah. And uh, we were, he was at the, the um, what's now the, the Fox. Um, and he just, everything was still there. He was just older, that, that intensity in his voice watching his hands move so quickly and then those long notes oh my stars he is he was amazing to me yeah. I, I've been blessed I've, I've met a bunch of folk and I've been really blessed to uh, sing with with people that um, I admire yeah um, James Taylor asked me to walk out on stage and sing with him at the Boulder Theater and I was really and my best friend shoved me out on stage. <laughs> and oh I was God. there. I mean, I was singing with James Taylor. How did he get your number? I mean, how did that come about? Oh, no, it was, you know, the E-Town show? Yes, yes, yes. I was in their uh, staff band for a couple of years. I was the, ah. they called me when they needed someone to sing backup or whatever. And that morning, uh, that particular Sunday morning, there was James Taylor. And I didn't know who was going to be on the show when they called me. And he was, he was the most amazing Southern gentleman you'll ever meet. Wow. I've, I've been to many E-Towns. That's sort of my musical upbringing is my dad used to take me and my mom used to, my, my folks used to take me like pretty much every week as a kid. <laughs> you know, we'd go see the Sunday night shows. So I did, I wasn't at that one, um, but, but I saw, saw a lot of good stuff. <laughs> Man, it was, um, I, I, I'm, oh my goodness. It, I've met some of the most amazing people on yeah. that show. And um, I've been blessed. I've been, I, do you know what Ted is? Yeah. They, they call it Ted Talks now. Yeah. Well, 
years ago, it was TED, Technology, Entertainment, and Design. Okay. You had to be a big mucky muck to be there. And because of E-Town, the, the gentleman who started TED heard me sing Imagine. And he invited me to my first E-Town. And that was 30 years ago. Wow. And it was in Kobe, Japan. And I got to sing with Herbie Hancock's trio. Oh my God. And I, and I didn't set up my phone to make long um, international calls. So yeah. I couldn't call my sister and tell her. <laughs> you just had to let her know afterwards. Well, and luckily some people took some pictures and emailed them to me and I sent them to my brother. And he said, you know, you trick, you know, this is a, what do, you, what do you call it when you when you use your computer to trick to make a picture? And I said, yeah. no, it's not. It's real. <laughs> Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he no, said, you Photoshop this. No, I did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, but, I, but, I, but I, I've known you for a long time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many years now. I don't even. I remember when the first time I saw you perform live was. Really? Yes. Yes. I was. I was going to confirmation class. You weren't at the confirmation class. It's, but, but this is how it started. I was, I was going to confirmation class, and I was cooperative, but I, I think it was no secret to the deacon that I wasn't particularly fond of being there. Um, you know, a, a disruptive teenager. But on my way home, I remember, you know, just being a little bit frustrated or something with the class. And on the way home, Jackie Green popped up on, on the radio Wow. And I'd, I'd never heard Jackie Green. And I went home and learned this song that night that um, that I that I heard him do on the radio. And then I sort of became just a huge fan as a high school kid. I said, this guy, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So I went and saw him at the Bluebird Theater. I got a, a clan of people together and you were singing with him at the Bluebird. And that was the first time I saw you, I, I think, live. I met him because of Big Head Todd and the Monsters. He was an opening act for them for, I think it was a four week tour. And he was the nicest young man. And he yeah. was really, really young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was probably 22, 23 at the time. Oh my God, he was young. I, I had kids older than him. <laughs> yeah. He, and, wow. he, and he's an incredible talent. Yeah. Yeah, so all these people you've you've sang with and sat in with, I mean, did you ever have any of these goals? Did you say, I want to sing with so-and-so or I want to do this? No, my biggest goal, to be absolutely honest, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to sing in some of these iconic um, theaters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like Carnegie Hall and, and the Fillmore in San Francisco. And, and uh, some of them, I, I, I've been there. I've sung there. Um, of course, I've not sung at Carnegie Hall, but I did sing at a club across the street. Yeah. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah. But for me, the, my biggest goal was just to keep singing, yeah. keep finding a way to get out there. Uh, when I put my first, <laughs> I want to put my first band together. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, but thank God I knew these guys. These guys knew me, and and we we worked. Um, I've always had that fearlessness that I would cold call anybody, yeah, and sell the band. So when I moved out here, I didn't mean to be here. I was on my way to L.A., but God wanted me to be here. So and it, to be honest with you, it's the greatest gift He's ever given me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you making that trip, when was that, that you left Louisville and, and why did you decide to leave? <laughs> I got here on August 14th, 1984. We left uh, five days before, but the U-Haul truck kept breaking down every night and we didn't know why and no one would fix it. And I made the trip because I lost my mom in uh, 1980 and when the last thing she said to me just in passing in the kitchen was you know you ought to think about getting out of here out of Louisville because you've gone as far as you can go here I have the number one band in 
in the area. Um, Kentucky, Southern Indiana, Southern Ohio, Tennessee, and we were we were we were we were incredible band. Yeah. But um, when she passed, I couldn't get rid of that thought. So I asked the kids. Uh, they were six, twelve, and uh, brought along a, another child that I helped to raise. He was eighteen, mm. and we struck out. Wow. We struck out, and uh, a friend of mine needed to get out. She had three, so we put all. We she and I drove the big truck, and they were in the. Um, we had my van attached to the back of the big moving truck. Yeah, <laughs> but when we got to Colorado, we knew we couldn't go any further, and um, it made me find myself because I knew two people in Denver. Two. Yeah, I knew two people in the state. And their dog, Muffy. <laughs> but Colorado's one of those places where if you really want to make music, this is the place to do it. People here love music. They love original music. They love anything that's going to move their heart. Um, I've seen some of the best bands, country, jazz, R&B, rap. I've seen some of the best bands I've ever seen in my life here in Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs. Yeah. Wow. And so there's no regrets that you didn't make it to Los Angeles. Well, oh, no. I never would have had this kind of success in, in L.A. I'd yeah. have been just another female vocalist trying to get in. In Denver, there was this opening for me, and God sent me here and said, now fill the opening. And I did. Wow. Wow. Did at what point did you did you feel like it was a message that you received? I mean, were you maybe surely when the car broke down, there was some frustration initially, right? A lot of frustration, uh, a lot of mumbled curse words. <laughs> yeah. But about um, I got a call from my best friend. I convinced her to start booking me and booking my band. And we learned how to do that out here together and um she got, i got a call one wednesday morning she goes miller you're gonna do this radio show called e-town i'm like okay and sarah mclaughlin was the star yeah. was the guest star yeah and i didn't really know the name but when she walked in the back door of course i knew exactly who she was i'd seen her videos right sure so that's when i knew that I was in the right place at the right time. Because all these things, I got a call from these young men, Big Ed, Todd and the Monsters, asking me to sing back, to come sing back up for them at their Sister Sweetly release party. What was it, 95, 94? Yeah. yeah. And I walked in the back door and all I could hear was noise. The Boulder Theater holds 1,100 people. There were easily 1,500 people in there that night. Wow. I was just like standing, looking out at the audience going, okay, calm down. You only have to do one song. I got my nerve up. I walked out. I sang that one song. The audience liked me. I walked off very quickly. And then I got to the dressing room and went, oh, I like this. <laughs> I want I more of this. this. <laughs> I mean, what's not to like? You, you're, you're doing something that people want to want to hear. They want to know about. And it's something positive. It's something that's inclusive. It's somebody said to me about a, about a week or so ago that uh, when we come back from the pandemic, music, live music will be the, the best medicine. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. It's true. Live music. You know how you love it. You oh, yeah. know how it inspires you. Absolutely. I. This was the longest year and a half of our lives. No, no live music. Not just for people who make live music, but especially for the listeners. Right. And, um, but it's back. I think we've turned that corner. Yeah. I do. 
And how have you kept yourself sane over the last year and a half? I, I put it on my uh, Facebook page that I was doing recordings for special occasions. People started emailing the, the, uh, the Facebook. I mean, mess, sending me messages. And well, my, my grandma's birthday's coming up, her favorite song. And Dana and I, this is my, my living room behind me and my dining room that way. We turned that into our little studio. And all these people in the background of their videos, they have my living room. And I, I think they figured it out. But that's what we've been doing. And I've been doing um, live karaoke concerts in Morrison. Yeah. I, you know, you, my mother, um, my mother told me, don't be afraid of work as long as it's honest, it's clean, and it pays you well. So I got a bars closed. I got on the phone. Who's open? Who needs music? Yeah. And um, I found some and they found me. Yeah. Yeah. And how does that live carry? That's at the Morrison Inn, right? Oh, it's at uh, the Holiday Bar. Oh, the Holiday Bar. Fun. The Holiday Bar. It's okay. absolutely fun. <laughs> and so do people people request and, you, and you're the karaoke. You, you make it happen. And then if they want, and I invite them, if you want to come up and sing with me, come up. And they do. And wow. you'd be surprised how many people want to sing out loud in yeah. front of, of an audience. I yeah. think the first time we did it, we had about 30 people. Um, last Friday was my fourth or fifth. Yeah. And um, we were capacity. Uh, there were 30 people on each outdoor patio in the cold. And uh, there was uh, 40, 45 people inside in front of me. And they only had to put their uh, masks on if they were dancing or going to the bar. If they were sitting down, they could take their mask off. Yeah. And uh, it didn't start to thin out until it started snowing. Yeah. And then people started going home. But we had a good time. That sounds that sounds like a great time. And how cool <laughs> for the audience, too, that you're bringing them in in a really intimate way. Like, hey, come sing with Hazel. You want to come I'll belt it out. You've been waiting for eight, <laughs> for 18 months. Let's do it. Let's do it. We, this guy came up named Matt and we were doing this song by Michael Jackson. And I told him that I didn't know it. He said, oh, that's OK. He didn't know it either. We laughed. Oh my God, we laughed through this whole song and we, we sang the parts we knew yeah. and we mumbled and laughed through the rest <laughs> and they were all laughing with us. It was a hoot. But wow. it is a reason to get out and feel better. If laughter doesn't heal you, then you you need to get out a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So one th one last thing about this this move from Louisville to Denver, I've I've never known a Colorado music scene without you in it because you've been you've been here. Oh, since. I've been here uh, be thirty seven years in August. I've been singing in the in this on the scene thirty four thirty thirty five. Yeah, yeah. Because the first couple of years I was here, I couldn't find anything. And then I just kept going sitting in with different bands and a guy called me back to sing at a wedding wow and i just step by step what did you do in the meantime were you working a, a different job i was a supervisor for the maids at the brown palace hotel <laughs> okay you know those ladies you see in the mall in the uniforms that water the plants yeah did that for, for almost two years I went okay. from Brown to Lairs and water plants. And I was singing in the greenhouse one morning and, and I thought, my son is right. I got to get serious. So every weekend I'd go to these different little clubs and just sit in. And after a while, people got to know my name and, and Joe Tripp called me for a wedding. Wow. About a week later, he invited me to join his band and I've been rolling. Playing every weekend ever since. Oh my God. Um, in 2019, I did 183 jobs. Wow. I used to do more than that, but there's, there's some really good bands out there now. When I first started out, I was one of a kind, but now there's yeah. a bunch of good bands out there. Yeah. So. yeah. And did you, when I think of the impact that you have on the Colorado scene, everybody knows Hazel Miller in the Colorado scene. 
um, did, did you have, you said you were kind of the top band in Louisville. Did you have that impact in Louisville as well? I mean, were, were you that kind of a force there? In 1982, uh, my keyboard player who lives here in Aurora, <laughs> yeah. he called me one night. He said, what are you, what are you doing? I said, it's, my son was about, I don't know, two maybe. And uh, we, he called me, he said, my next door neighbor just wrote this commercial. He said, if you come sing this song, he's going to pay you um, 50 bucks. Well, but that was, man, that was some serious grocery money. So I went over and sang the song. Um, friend and I, we went down to New Orleans to see if we could, you know, build up some business. My sister called the hotel. She said, get home tomorrow. I said, what are you talking about? That song you sang, Look What We Can Do, Louisville. She said, it has blown up. Everybody wants to know where you are. So my friend Musa and I, we drove back home. Sure enough, I got home and uh, I had, um, I had to hire a manager to field all my phone calls. I sang with the symphony. I sang, it was, they're still playing it every night on every television station in Louisville. And it was recorded in 1982. Wow. They tried having other people sing it. And, and the whole, the, the state wrote in, no, this is Hazel's song. No. And they, they put mine back on. They tried it three times. So you're still and highly regarded in the Kentucky scene. I go home and I, I go to see some old, some old guys, some guys I used to play with and go sit in. And it's like, Hazel Miller's down here. And, and the next thing you know, people are coming in. It's like people I haven't seen in decades. Wow. But yeah, we, we, were, we had the biggest band. We opened for everybody from... Um, uh, what's to say his name? Bob James mm-hmm. to James Brown. James Brown. Yeah, we we open for James Brown. We open for Bob James. Oh my God, we oh, we open for it. it I was like the uh, samples. <laughs> yeah, that's what I compare it to. I didn't get to tour like Big Ed Todd and those guys, but um, but I it, it it's I'm at a place where young singers are coming to me asking me how I did it. And so I'm trying to be honest with them and tell them what, what they're going to need, what to look out for, who to look out for, why to look out for it, especially young female vocalists, because it's too easy to be ripped off. And I don't want to see another young person ripped off. Yeah. Um, There's, there's a couple of really amazing young women that I'm, I'm telling people about to see if I can help them get booked in bigger venues, bigger festivals, because they really are that good. Yeah, yeah. And and what kind of advice? Um, what kind of advice do you give them when they ask, Hazel, how do I do? How do I do what you did? I tell them the first thing they have to do is find musicians they can work with, who are honest, and have the same values. My guys don't get drunk on the gig. They don't get high on the gig. You can't do that. This is work. This is just like going to Wall Street. This is work. And you have to treat it that way. I tell them if they're not ready to work hard, let go. Go Walk away. Yeah. Because this will be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But yeah. when it pays off, people are going to call you an overnight success. And you're going to know it took everything you had. Yeah stay focused enough to be a success. I tell them to get to get in touch with a good lawyer, even if you can't afford him, let him know who you are and ask if you can call when you need him. I tell them, by all means, learn to read music. I didn't. And it keeps you out of a lot of different jobs. Yeah. Especially studio jobs, because they really want you to be able to, to read music. Yeah. Um, I tell them to prepare themselves just like they would for, if you want to be an astronaut, you got to train for it. You want to be a ballet dancer, you got to train for it. You want to be a a live performer, you got to train for it. Yeah. You got to walk out there and treat that audience like they're the best friends you've ever had and make them know that you appreciate them being there. 
Because mm-hmm. if you don't, it's going to show. Right. Right. And do you are there a couple singers in particular in the local scene that you think folks should know about that you've been working with? Oh, yeah. There is a lovely young lady. Her name is Jenny Shawhan. Yeah. One of the best voices I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. There is a young lady um, in Fort Collins. I think she's 16, 17 years old. She has a band. Her name is Julia Kirkwood. Uh, there's another young lady from Colorado Springs who just signed with a Sony uh, um, a, a, a recording contract in Nashville from Colorado Springs. And she just changed her show name to um, Reveille. But there are some amazing young young people out here. Yeah, My guitar player is one of the best performers. He's 27 years old. The only person in the band close to his age is the drummer who is uh, 55. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cody, right? Cody. Yeah. Cody's one of the most amazing young people he walked up and said, I heard you're looking for a guitar player. And I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you heard him play. <laughs> then he I gave him the hardest songs I could think of. He walks in with this guitar case, plugs into an amp. We're at, we're at uh, Rocket Space down in, in Lodo, or Rhino now, and uh, rocked it. Absolutely blew up the room. I thought, who is this child? Yeah. Because I think he was 20. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. We, just, we couldn't believe it. We just all stood there and went, what? Yeah. And we're, we're a bunch of old folk who have paid our dues. And this young man, not only does he keep up with us, he inspires us. He has brought some music into the band that we didn't know anything about. Yeah. And now he's, I mean, he's opened up doors, yeah. musical doors for us that we didn't know was that were out there. Wow. Wow. You're re- one of the reasons I know you. <laughs> yes. Yep. I, I remember when he got that gig. That was pretty I think neat. People were surprised. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That very, very cool though. Um, and a great guy, a great guitar player, great guitar player. And, uh, and Jenny Shawhan's been on the podcast. I just chatted with her the other day, but she's been on the podcast. Really? Yes. She's amazing. Have Absolutely. You, have you heard the CD? I haven't heard the new stuff yet. She's got to send heard, it to me. I sang back up on one, I think two songs, but one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was amazed at how intricate the music was, how intelligent the lyrics were. And she's young. But this young lady in um, Fort Collins, 16 years old. Yeah, she opened for me last summer at some drive-in thing in Fort Collins. Solo, she rocked it. Forty-five minutes, she played guitar, she sang, and she finished up playing piano. And hands up, she was. I was wow, wow, wow. So I've been calling people about her. She's been able to help her. Her mother books her, so was able to help her mother. Um, Booker at some different places. Yeah. So as 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 you do this for longer and longer and you're talking about, you know, people coming up in the scene, do you feel some sense of legacy with that? Like you want to pass on what you've learned to the next generation? I, I never thought about it that way. I, I always thought about it as paying dues because when I was 16, 17 years old and on the bus trying to find some band that would hire me, these guys thought I was a joke. They treated me very badly. I made a promise. If I was ever in a position to help a young singer take that step forward, that I would do everything to do for them what these guys would not do for me. Yeah. And uh, other singers were worse than the musicians. So when I see these young singers now, these incredible voices, these trained voices, I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Um, one of the things your Wikipedia page said, <laughs> and so you you get a, you have to confirm or deny this, is that okay. you sang backups uh, for Al Green. I was a teenager. Um, the band, the part of the band he had playing behind him was from my hometown. 
And they only needed someone for a couple of shows and it was summertime and my mother let me go. And I got back home. Nobody in the neighborhood knew where, where I'd been. They just thought I'd been up to Cleveland to visit my grandmother. And um, it, was, it was not one of my most enjoyable memories because the other lady that was there, the woman that, that I replaced temporarily was her best friend. So I think she didn't want to feel like she was being disloyal and like me. So it was, it was not a very comfortable month. And yeah. when I went home, I kind of missed it, but I was glad to be home. And did, did you get to, in, I mean, were you interacting with the band members and with Al some, or was well, it very... I, knew, I knew the bass player, the guitar player, and the, and the uh, saxophone player. They were all from my hometown. Uh, did not meet Al Green, uh, but once uh, my first rehearsal, he shook my hand. He was not, he had, the keyboard player was a music director. So he's a person that gave us our marching orders. Right. Al just kind of showed up, did his thing, and he would leave. Yeah. That was that. Wow. Wow, wow. Um, it, it's so, and I want to jump back into the Big Head Todd thing for a second, too, because you're talking about... I love those guys. <laughs> yeah, for, first singing with them in the 90s. You still sing consistently with them, correct? Right. This year, um, uh, uh, a true dream God has made come true. I'm going to open for Big Head... My band is going to open for Big Head Todd June 12th and 13th at Red Rocks. This is a bucket list prayer that I've had for 20 years. Wow. And it, and it came true. Wow. So That's, the pandemic did some good for me. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, and, and you're using my t-shirt guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and before you go, I got to call you because uh, I lost his phone number. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, before we, uh, when the interview ends, before we leave, I'll, I'll re-give you his info. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, I was really, really um, flattered that you asked me to be on your podcast because I'm not a spring chicken. And podcasts are usually younger people with these big new ideas. I'm not a younger person. And my only big new ideas are big new singers, big new acts. Yeah. Um, but I applaud you for keeping people aware, making people aware of what's going on in the music world, because there's a lot of new names out there that deserve attention. Yeah, uh, well, I I appreciate you very much for coming on, and and I'm <laughs> and I you know I'm just having a, a great time. I was just thinking a few minutes ago, I said, man, this is a blast getting to, to hang out with Hazel <laughs> and record it. And you know, I I always think when I talk to people, no matter what age they are, how long they've been in the scene, I always learn something. And you know, and it's always it's so cool to me to think that this conversation is going to be out in the ether, uh, you know, until it's not, but it, it's going to be there and we'll be able to kind of look back and say, Hey, that was that moment. And it was really cool. Well, and one of the reasons we have these moments is because young people like you have podcasts. It would never have occurred to me to do that. And I applaud you because you keep live music on people's minds during a time when, there isn't very much out there at all. Yeah. And I thank you. Well, I, I appreciate that a lot. It's, <laughs> I needed something to, I needed to keep myself sane during the pandemic. So I thought I could see all my friends on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I See, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> well, I never would have thought of the, of the, uh, of the birthday card thing. That's pretty cool. Well, see, I'm, I'm more what do you call it? Tactile. Yeah. I'm gonna, Dana and I, we just sit in here and we try to figure it out. But if, if anybody um, wants to know what it takes to do what we do, you and I, live performers, it takes a lot of honesty with yourself. It takes an immense amount of hard work. It takes getting used to rejection. And then once you've overcome that rejection, don't, don't feel upset about, now you're working for the people who used to reject, reject you. Right. Just remember that you are doing something that serves humanity. 
not siphons from humanity. Yeah. And that's how I look at it. That's how I see it. And when I see these young people, I know 20 years from now when I'm sitting here and all this new technology doesn't work until my grandkids come over, there's new new voices out there, new music like yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, and it, it's such it gives a cool... me faith. It gives me hope. It gives me hope. Well, and do you ever, you know, you seem very centered and very much like, hey, if something happens, that's God's plan. That's okay. We're going to turn left here instead of right. Um, I mean, are there times throughout your career where you've had trouble finding that center and gotten very frustrated about about how things are going? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, my friend Lori, who books me, she calls it talking me down from the tree. I still yeah. get um, stage fright. I still, I still wonder from season to season if, from a, if I'll have enough work to hold a band together. But you have to have faith that if I've come this far with that faith, my, no matter how bad it gets, vent, get it all out and then get off your butt and start working again. Yeah. That's the only thing that works. And while you, while you're venting, pray a little bit, let it go and go back to work. Yeah. Pick up the phone. Yeah. Start calling. Take the next step. Email. <laughs> Text. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. There is no easy way. There's no overnight success. I don't know anybody that's a true overnight success. I don't know how that could happen. Yeah. I know people who've worked hard. Yeah. It took them a shorter route than some of us. And I don't, you don't have to be a big national name to have a niche. I have a niche in Colorado. Yes. I've been able to put two boys through college in Colorado working. I haven't had a day job since 1986. Wow. Wow. Okay. And that's because I put my trust in God. I put my trust in my talent and I put my trust in my, my, my musical family, my band. I've had some bands that were nuts, drove me crazy. I'd be going home, driving home, crying, but I've had this band 10, 11 years and they are the best musicians they are the best people they yeah. are my family that's incredible that's incredible and you and you just seem truly grateful for everything and, oh my god and keep trucking I forward all these people came together <laughs> yeah 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 it and now is there anything you think about throughout the course of your career like you know i would still like to do that i know you're doing this show with big head todd this summer <gasps> but you've also played the white house and you know i it, the list I, goes played, on I have on. sung for four sitting presidents, wow. uh, sung for one former president. Uh, I, the only thing that's left that I would love to do, and I know it sounds, well, it is out of my reach, but I still can dream. I would love to sing on the stage at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Well, that, that, I don't think that that's not out of reach. I bet that'll still happen. <laughs> <laughs> and and as long as I have a goal, I, I got a reason to work for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I was going to ask you that. Is there something when you go out and do these gigs, is there something that you're, I mean, obviously to go out and put out the best show you possibly can, but is there something that you're, that you're working towards? And I guess that answers the question. It's, it's the Carnegie Hall gig. Well, actually more than Carnegie Hall the seven of us want to produce, want to self-produce uh, a CD. I haven't done a CD since 90, 99, 2000, maybe. Yeah. So it's time to do one. Um, and um, we have some original music um, and we're going to give it a shot. Wow. Yeah, we're going to we're going to record it and then take it, take it over and get it mixed and mastered and go from there. And you guys are going to produce it as a band. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna produce it from the seven folk in the band. Yep. Wow, and that, it's so interesting. Since the '90s, you you're somebody who's. I mean, we talk about all these different ways on the podcast of how people make a living in the music industry, and you've been. I mean, you've been doing it live. Yeah. 
Since yeah. 1986, I have not had a day job, and I'm incredibly proud of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I don't, I don't, I don't miss it. People like you and I, we have little quirks in our personality that we don't fit well in that nine to five yeah. slot. Right. Um, so we have to depend on our gifts from God. We have to depend on our love of music to make a living. And I've been able to make a living. Yeah. I, I have to admit, though, that until I was associated with um, uh, Big Ed Todd and the Monsters, walking into my bank and trying to get a loan to buy a house was impossible. And then all of a sudden they said, well, who are you working for? And I put in Big Ed Todd and the Monsters. Uh, four days later, I had a loan. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I called the boys up. I said, thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, in some ways, in some ways, you know, I, I think being a musician, you might have more job security because if you lose a job, you've got you go find another 20 others. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> out, you're not out of work. But banks don't see it that way. They, um, the world sees us as gig workers. We're not, um, we're not like uh, folks that work at Ford. We're not like people who work, you know, nine to five. Um, they don't quite understand what we do. So if they don't understand it, they don't necessarily trust it. Yeah. And we have to work a little harder to make them realize that we're, we're working hard also. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, if, if you would stay on the line for me for just a second okay. and I'll get you Chase's info at, at Holiday Clothing. We'll shout that out on the podcast. Um, but uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure thank chatting you, with you. Thank you, Andy, for inviting me. When I told Marcia, she was like, really? <laughs> okay, I'm going to hang. Go, pay, go do what you got to do. That was Hazel Miller. She's so cool. She's so cool. What a great conversation. That was one of those where after after the interview, I was just in a great mood for the rest of the day. She's got, got an energy and is a really cool individual, really generous individual. And we chatted for quite a while um, after the podcast was off the air, too. And uh, it was great to great to catch up and looking forward to connecting with her again soon. So, Hazel, if you're listening, thanks so much for your time. I do truly appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or death threats, you can send them to me, hopefully not the latter, at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. My name's Andy Sido. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like to support the podcast in a non-monetary way, uh, you can rate and review on iTunes. It just takes a second, or wherever you listen, doesn't have to be on the iTunes, but a quick five-star rating and review only takes a second and it is a huge help. And if you'd like to support in a monetary way, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. Thanks so much for listening, and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.